Watson, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We have a ton to get to today. A lot of pressing topics, a lot of big questions to be answered. We're going to talk Packers. Um, I'm actually concerned that they might be alcoholics, that they might be binge drinkers after this weekend. I'll explain more. I'll give you more details. I say that in a a mostly joking way. I'll give you more details coming up in a few minutes. I want to know if we will ever see a Wisconsin basketball team like we saw in 2014 and in 2015. Badgers have their season opener tonight. They're going to be playing St. Mary's, the 20th ranked team in the country. Will we ever see as good of a team as we saw with Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky and Josh Gosser, right? That cast of characters in 2014, 2015. We're going to talk about that coming up today as well. We're also going to talk to one of my favorite recurring guests on the show, Ebo from our sister station, The Zone in Madison. He co-hosts The Joe and Ebo Show every morning on The Zone. And we're going to talk Packers, Little Badger football, Little Badger basketball, uh, and whatever else comes up. I love having Ebo on, one of my favorite guests. He'll join us at 5.30. A lot to get to today. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome night, uh, regardless of the weather that's coming our way. I'm in a fantastic mood. We got new mouse pads in the studio. I was surprised by new mouse pads, and they're big. These things, these things are fat, right? And I don't know what it is. Mouse pads get kind of beaten down, and they get kind of gross. Came in today, brand new mouse pads. Wasn't expecting it. Kind of made my afternoon. Not going to lie. Uh, if you're having a good night, bad night, doesn't matter. I'd love to talk to you. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can also shoot me a tweet anytime, not only during the show, but anytime, at Keystroke or Grant. I would love to discuss, argue, bicker, about sports on Twitter, find me at Keystroke or Grant, and of course, you can find all of us at WKTY. I want to start with last night. Before we get into the Packers, before we get into the Badgers, and we talk to Ebo, I want to start with last night. There were a couple interesting sport events going on last night. It was a weird, it was a weird night of sports. It was a really weird night of sports. Right? Let's start with the Monday night football game. I, I know the Bucks played last night and I watched the Bucks game, but I also, when football's on, I, I'm watching. Right, Even if i got to go get another TV, get a laptop out to watch the Bucks, watch the Brewers, I'm always watching football. Last night, right, and a really ugly first half, a lot of field goals, a lot of turnovers. The first play of the game was Dak throwing one of the, one of the worst interceptions I've seen this year. Throwing it right into the arms of a linebacker who was staring right into the eyes of Dak Prescott. Right, And, and the, look, the Cowboys ended up winning. That's not really my big takeaway. They won 37-18. I turned it off. Uh, halfway through the fourth quarter because it was kind of getting out of hand. I said, all right, this is done. Uh, I'm going to go to bed. And they poured on some garbage time points. Uh, They had 21 points in the fourth quarter after it got a little bit out of hand. It was interesting, though, if you watched the Monday night game last night, but I swear Booger McFarland was convinced, convinced that he needed to talk up Dak Prescott and convince us that Dak Prescott is the guy and he's in control of the offense and they trust him and he is their franchise quarterback. And, like, that was his thing last night, right? And it was pretty funny because the game starts and he said, man, look at how control, uh, look at how can in control of the offense Dak Prescott is, right? And then right on cue throws a pick. And I like, I try not to criticize announcers because announcing football games is really hard. Like, it's not an easy job. And, and all announcers have different styles and they have different things, whether you like them or not. They're the best of the best. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on TV. And I'm not criticizing Booger. It was just interesting all night long, just getting pounded over the head. 
But Dak Prescott is the guy, and the Cowboys trust him, and they think that he can win him a Super Bowl, and he's in control of the offense. They've turned it over to him, which to some extent might be true, but if they thought he was their franchise quarterback and he was going to win him a Super Bowl, they probably would have extended him, probably would have paid him, right, like they've paid Ezekiel Elliott, right, or some of their other players, like other offensive line or Jalen Smith, right? Interesting. The funny part and the weird part where the weird comes in is you guys saw the black cat that got on the field right last night, right? Game was in the Meadowlands. It was in New York, or I guess in New Jersey. Uh, and a black cat, I, I looked at him like, is this real? No, but like, we've seen squirrels, right? We've seen a bat, especially in San Antonio during Spurs games. I'd never seen a black cat. It was, it was almost like a caricature, like something you'd see in a movie. A black cat, a bad luck black cat coming out onto the field. And it meant bad luck for the, the Giants, because at that point, they were pretty much done, and the Cowboys took off and never looked back. I was dying. I was out to eat with a friend last night. We were watching Monday Night Football, a lot of TVs. Uh, Monday Night Football on a few, the Bucks game on a few, and I'm I'm watching Monday Night Football, and they got the camera angle dialed right in on the face of this cat, and they got it in slow motion, and it just looked majestic. I was I was crying, I was laughing that hard because they had a shot of this cat in slow motion, and it, it they made it look like a bit like a lion or a jaguar with how close they they zoomed in on it. Absolutely made my night, but it was a weird night, right? A situation where you have an animal on the field or in the stadium. Right, something that will definitely go down. Like in a couple of years, we'll see five years ago today on, on Monday Night Football, the black cat, you know, gave the Giants bad luck or something like that. Weird instance last night in a weird event. In an otherwise pretty uneventful game, the Cowboys won rather easily and really took off after uh, that black cat got onto the field. Not the only weird event of the night. Were you watching Bucks Timberwolves? Now, if you tuned in to watch at seven o'clock, you would have been slightly disappointed because the tip time got pushed back because the basket was. It was like broken. The rim was not level. You saw they had the levels out and they had to replace it and they had to fix it. It took almost an hour before the Bucks game got going. And then there was that weird, awkward challenge before half that, that Budenholzer used, which was a great challenge. It was the right play. And, and if you're just joining us, you're a couple days behind on the NBA season, right? They've instituted each coach gets one challenge per game. One challenge. Coach Bud using that right before half to reverse a pretty bad charge call. Uh, Jordan Bell had run up under Giannis as he was taking off uh, to try to get the buzzer beater layup at the end of the half. Call was reversed, right? The points count. Giannis gets a free throw. They go into half. It took a while. The delay in the replay took a long, long time. Weirdness aside, delays aside, last night's Bucks game taught me a, a couple things. I had two big takeaways. Uh, number one, and Bucks fans who have been watching so far this season will, will appreciate and kind of breathe a sigh of relief and hope this trend continues. 2019 Eric Bledsoe has arrived, right? He had that, that rib injury, in the preseason that slowed him down. Now, he was able to play against Houston. He's been playing all throughout the regular season, but last night I thought was his first good game. He did a little bit of everything. He was very quick, athletic, attacking in the paint, right, and doing a good job of distributing, drawing contact around the rim and and going up, trying to finish shots of his own. Eric Bledsoe was tremendous last night. He was a plus 19 on the night, which was up there with Chris Middleton, with, uh, with Brooke Lopez, who were both a plus 18, and a pretty well-rounded stat line. He had 22 points, six assists, nine rebounds. I'll take it. And he was doing a little bit of everything. And if you watched the Bucks game last night, if that stat line doesn't overwhelm you, which, look, it's not an otherworldly stat line, 22, 9, and 6, but last night it looked a little bit different, right? He had a little bit more spring in his step. He was quicker to the basket. He was quicker to go up with the ball. He was drawing contact. He was finding the open man. And he was looking just a little bit quicker, a little bit more dangerous than he had previously to tonight. 
right in the in the first six games. I thought last night was Eric Bledsoe's kind of arrival night. That was takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, and, and this is just reaffirming, I think, what we all already knew and what I've been preaching on the show for the last two weeks, but last night just proved it further. That is the Bucks have a lot of depth. And, and, and that depth isn't reliant on just a player or two. It's not just relying on Ursan Ilyasova or Robin Lopez, who had five points and one point. It's not just George Hill, who only had seven points last night. But but that depth responsibility and that contribution responsibility off the bench gets passed around from player to player. Last night, it wasn't Ilyasova or Lopez or Hill or Brown or Connaughton, but it was Dante DiVincenzo. 17 points. Seven rebounds. And an assist as well. And he looked springy. And I think last night you saw a little bit of a flash of of why he was so good at Nova and why teams liked him other than his his championship pedigree and, and postseason pedigree in college basketball. Why teams liked him out of the draft. He's just a really good athlete. I think Pat Connaughton is a really good comparison for Dante DiVincenzo and a really good prototype to follow as a player. Very, very springy. Good enough of a three-point shooter to hold his own and to make the defense respect him and to knock down some shots when he has an opportunity. Pat Connaughton is the perfect prototype and might just be, dare I say it, might be a good mentor and a good leader for DiVincenzo because I think those two players are very similar. Now, I think DiVincenzo has a higher ceiling than Pat Connaughton. I hope he has a higher ceiling than Pat Connaughton. And that's no disrespect to Connaughton. But last night, just another example of this Bucks depth, right? In a night where Ilya Silva really didn't have it and George Hill wasn't scoring the ball like we have seen previously, only seven points. DiVincenzo stepped up. That's why the Bucs are going to be able to win a lot of games, but also not overexert their best players and not overexert Giannis, who only played 27 minutes last night. Giannis played the most minutes of any starter at 27. That's 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 perfect. That's what makes this Bucks team so good, and, and Coach Budenholzer has done such a good job of managing minutes of their superstar players while also winning games. That's why I think the Bucs... Ultimately, although they might take a small step back after last year and, and focus a little bit more on being healthy and ready and dialed in for the postseason, I still think they win 55 to 60 games just because they are so deep and they're going to win games without tiring out their stars that maybe other teams near the top of the Eastern Conference won't be able to win. couple of takeaways from last night. Uh, I want to talk about the Bucks. I, I, I do want to, or we, not the Bucks. I do want to talk about the Packers. We're going to talk more Bucks with, with Ebo coming up at 530. I want to talk about the Packers. Are the Packers binge drinkers? I think that question was kind of being posed and spun by beat reporters today. Matt LaFleur uh, did his Monday press conference yesterday, I suppose. It was yesterday. And beat reporters trying to ask a question, but they weren't really asking the question. I'll explain coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. I don't think it was complacency at all. I just think that, you know, whether it was the trip, um... You know, not everybody taking care of themselves the right way over the two days, or we're just tired, or uh, the differences in temperature. But um, those are just excuses, and the facts are that we weren't locked in from the start, and that's uh, a little disappointing. That was Aaron Rodgers after Sunday's loss to the Chargers, 26-11 to the final score, and it was just a no-energy game, no-excitement game, really. I would have been ex- just upset and frustrated that the Packers were losing, but I was too out of it and too lulled to sleep and lulled into boredom that honestly I didn't really care. And that was kind of the conversation on yesterday's Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. We talked about a lot of different reasons yesterday, right, that the Packers showed up with no energy. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe they were out drinking. I don't know. Maybe the, the temperature change, like Aaron Rodgers said, there could be a lot of different possibilities. 
I don't know. In fact, I even floated the idea that maybe it was the change in, in daylight saving time, which, by the way, yesterday sounded stupid, but I actually looked into it. I first heard this on a podcast I was checking out, and I said, no, no, that that can't be true. There's no way that's true. Well, I, I actually looked it up in a couple of different places and found that, yeah, uh, the last six games that have occurred the same weekend of daylight saving time, uh, the Packers have lost. So, I, look, I'm not saying that the Packers lost because of daylight saving time, but it just goes to show you sports are weird. Teams show up with no energy for just weird reasons. Teams play bad or play good for no reason. I, I think there's many reasons that Sunday's game went as it did, and I think part of it, too, is, A, the Chargers are a really good team like we talked about, but they're also a desperate team, right? They're 4-5 and five after Sunday's win. They were 3-5, and five, a 3-5 and five team. They lose that game, and they're done. They're toast. Hang the done chain on them, stick a fork in them, whatever you want to say, we're done. A lot of different reasons. Even something as weird as daylight saving time. Once again, not blaming it, but that's how sports work. Yesterday, I, th- I, I thought I was joking when I mentioned it, but I guess there actually is something to the, the daylight saving time curse. Maybe the Packers will be lucky uh, next year or in the next couple of years and end up with a bye on this weekend. Don't have to deal with the hour change, right? Too, uh, an hour too much of sleep. Maybe that was the reason because of daylight saving time. And you heard Aaron Rodgers talk about all those possible reasons on why the Packers showed up flat. Now, yesterday, Matt LaFleur spoke to the media and the reporters, I'm going to play you a couple interactions between reporters and Matt LaFleur. And I don't like to play long chunks of press conferences because I fall asleep listening to them. I can only imagine how you feel. And Matt LaFleur is not particularly engaging or entertaining. If he thinks a two-answer word or a two-word answer is going to get it done and two words will answer a question, then he will only provide two words, right? It's like asking the professor, well, how many pages... Do you do you want us to type for this assignment? Well, how many pages do you think you need to, you know, complete the assignment? It's like, all right, whatever. You know, that that type of thing. Malafleur will give a yes or no question. He'll be he'll be upfront with it. He's not particularly entertaining, but the, the, the engagement yesterday between the question askers and the question answerer in Matt LaFleur were fascinating. And you'll hear that there's a question that reporters really, really, really want to ask, but they can't. For whatever reason. They don't think it's appropriate. They can't muster up the courage. They don't want to be that guy or that girl here. I'll just I'll, I'll just play a couple of these. Here you go. Yesterday, Aaron talked about, a couple times, talked about the 48 hours before the game, and he wasn't sure if um, the players, I don't want to say did the right thing, but do you have any issue with the 48 hours, and was that part of it? Would they possibly impact Sunday's performance? Yeah, I think any time you go out there and you have a game like that, you, you kind of look at everything you did and uh, I think all of us coaches players have to look inward and and make sure we were doing the right things um, and really learn from that experience so we don't have another one of those moving forward because we have another west coast trip here coming up in a couple weeks and um, just want to make sure we're doing the right things to get both mentally and physically prepared for for a game game like that so the question asker the reporter Asking, well, Rogers mentioned that that 40 hours, the time in Los Angeles before the game, was there any missteps in preparation, players not doing the right thing? And, and Matt LaFleur takes the path that most coaches would take to that answer and, and take it big picture, right? Well, anytime you have a bad game, you know, we want to look at everything. We want to examine everything and we want to learn from it, right? As a first year head coach, want to learn from it. So moving forward, we don't make the same mistakes. We can improve. We can get better. We have a game coming up in a couple of weeks in San Francisco, or I guess in Santa Clara against the 49ers. We hope to be better then. Perfect. Nicely done. You addressed the question without really addressing the question. You made it big picture and you made it about getting better in the future. 
perfectly done. But that wasn't good enough for the Packers beat, right? Well, maybe he didn't understand what I was asking about the 40 hours prior to the game. Let's be a little bit more direct with the question. Did you, did you have any guys who missed curfew on Friday night or anything that was an issue on Friday night when you guys were out there? No, we, nobody missed curfew. Well, what about curfew, Coach? Coach LaFleur, did anyone miss curfew? Or on Friday night, were people out late, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, you know what I mean? Guys, get back to the hotel a little late. Maybe break curfew a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Coach LaFleur said, I don't know, no one broke curfew. <laughs> right? Like I said, not afraid to give a direct answer. An answer of a couple of words, if that's what's enough to answer the question. Did anyone miss curfew? See, that was the problem, is the reporter asked such a non-open-ended question, such a closed question, a yes or a no question, he gave the coach an easy out, right? And that, once again, not enough for the Packers beat. Not enough. So they said, well, let's get a little bit more specific. Coach, come on, you you know what we mean. Come on, don't make me say it. L.A. is, as you well know, different than Green Bay. Sure. Um, did you, you know, those guys do have some free time, obviously. Did you get the sense that maybe guys... I know you're examining everything when you lose a game like that. Did you get a sense that maybe guys, you know, enjoyed the trip more than it was a business trip for them? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you go out and you put a performance like that, um, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Was were we into it? Come on, coach. You know, LA is different than Green Bay. You gonna make me say it? Guys going out having a good time. Wink, wink. Nod, nod. Come on, come on. I know you're looking at everything, coach. No, no, no. I, I don't want the big picture. But come on, we're guys, yeah, we're guys out a little bit too late on Friday night. Right? And I love how I love how the question is phrased. Come on, coach. You know that LA is different than Green Bay. Come on, you know it. LA is, as you well know, different than Green Bay. LA is, as you well know, <laughs> different than Green Bay. Look, I, I'm not here to make fun of the reporters or coaches on the floor. I just I think it's so damn funny. Can a reporter in an NFL setting not come out and ask, hey, coach, were the players getting smashed on Friday night? Right? Were they out at the gentleman's club on Friday night? Like, is it is it unprofessional to ask that? I think in this sense, it's applicable, right? I don't think in this sense, it's from left field. I think it's applicable to the situation, right? Given Aaron Rodgers' comments and given the nature of a trip to LA, getting there on Friday night, having two nights in the big city, right? And as you well know, like LA is different than Green Bay, right? LA is, as you well know, different than Green Bay. Sure. Actually, you have more reason, I think, to drink in, in Green Bay. There's fewer things to do in Green Bay other than just drink. There might be more entertaining, more fun places to drink in LA, right? LA, of course, as you know well, coach, different than Green Bay. Yeah, what's your question? Is it inappropriate to ask if players were out getting smashed, out getting drunk? Like, could there be professional ramifications? Could you have your press pass taken away? I, I don't know. I'm not a reporter. Right? I'm, uh, I'm, an, I'm an analyst. I sit here and I give my opinion. I give my thoughts. And I talk with you guys. I don't, I don't know. Is it inappropriate to ask if players have been out drinking? Like, obviously you want to tiptoe as a reporter because you don't want to make enemies. Right, You want the coach to feel like they can not necessarily confide in you, but they're comfortable answering your questions and having a nice, uh, agreeable relationship. And of course, you don't want to ask an inappropriate question or a question that is perceived as inappropriate. You don't want to have your credentials taken away. But I, I feel like the members of the Packers beat yesterday and yesterday's presser with the head coach. They basically just wanted to ask if the players were out getting drunk at the strip club. Right? 
and they wanted to ask if players were getting drunk out at the strip club without asking if players were out getting drunk and at the strip club, right? Now, like I said, there's there's many possible reasons, many reasons, and Aaron Rodgers talked about him uh, for a flat performance, for a lack of energy, travel, daylight saving time, time change, temperature change, I don't know. But it seems like most realistically, the Packers were probably out getting drunk. Some of them out getting drunk. Partying a little bit too much, as the final reporter uh, said, maybe enjoyed the trip a little bit too much and didn't treat it like, like a business trip, which is a really funny way to put it. A lot of different reasons. Does it, it begs the question, could the, could the Packers handle a trip to lacrosse, right? If they had to play a game at the, at the lacrosse center, or let's say at UWL, right? Stay in downtown at one of the hotels. Right? Man, lacrosse, a little bit different than Green Bay. David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga getting up in the cage on 3rd Street. Right? The defensive back's going to shoot some stick until 2 a.m. <laughs> Could they handle downtown lacrosse? 608-796-2558. Right? I'll take your calls, take your answers, take, take your texts. I hope this is just a one-time occurrence because if it is and the Packers go on to have a good season and this is, like I said yesterday, just a forget-it game in the AFC that no one will remember in three years, then it's just a funny story. Right, then it's just a, a funny memory of Packers. A little bit overdoing it uh, out on the West Coast. I don't think they could handle downtown lacrosse. I'll say it. Don't think they could. Glad the Packers uh, Glad the Packers aren't playing games at UWL. Right, UWL football team just a little bit better equipped to handle their surroundings, their environment. Right, A little bit more mature, apparently. Coming up next, one of my uh, favorite recurring guests is going to join us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Ebo, co-host of the Joe and Ebo Experience on our sister station, The Zone in Madison. We're going to talk a bunch of things with him. Uh, Packers, maybe get his thoughts on whether the Packers are getting hammered. I, I don't know. Nobody seems to be willing to ask the question. I guess I'll be the guy. See what Ebo's answer is. And then, of course, I want to talk Badger football and Badger basketball opening their season at St. Mary's tonight. We'll talk about that, too. Coming up next, you're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out. You can always find the show 96.7 FM, 580 AM, and on our mobile app and at WKTYsports.com. Joining us on the five-star telecom talking text line from our sister station, The Zone in Madison, uh, one of my favorite guests, that's Ebo. He co-hosts the Joe and Ebo show, the Joe and Ebo experience uh, every morning over there in Madison. Ebo, what's up today? Man, I'm loving the Rage Against the Machine. You see they're going on a reunion tour coming up. Yeah, and I know you're a rock guy. I said, okay, I'll throw some Rage on. I, I don't know if I can handle a Rage Against the Machine concert. I'm not going to lie. Oh, man, I was at Alpine Valley 2007 to see Rage Against the Machine, and the singer, Zach LaRocha, comes out and screams out, what's up, Chicago? <laughs> Everyone's like, dude, we're in Wisconsin. No. Yeah. That was incredible. That was awesome. Yeah, that's tough. I like Tom Morello a lot. I think it would be cool just just to go see him. I don't know if I'm hardcore enough for a for a Rage Against the Machine show. Uh, like I said, I was barely hardcore enough for the Packer game on Sunday. They lost twenty six to eleven, and we've been we've been trying to break it down the last two days. And I don't think I'm being a Packers homer when I say this, Ebo. And if you think so, call me on it. I wasn't that upset after the game. I said, okay, you're bound to have a dud at some point. The Vikings and the Bears and the Lions all lost. You didn't lose any ground. Sure, it would have been nice to to gain another game, but. Every couple of years, this happens. The, the Packers just lose to a weird AFC opponent they have no business losing to, and we all forget about it by the end of the year. I, that's how I'm treating this game. Do you feel differently about it, or are you with me? Um, I, you know, I go 
back and forth on it. I'm, I'm kind of with you because every game or every team I should say is afforded a clunker here and there. But and then it makes it easier because the Patriots they lost to the Ravens, you know, later yeah. that day. So when I look at it, it was the thing that irked me that made me want to rage against the machine that is the Packers ah. was when Matt Lafleur said they they were tired. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean they were tired? Like you threw, you flew one on Friday. You said they got a little late there, but they were tired. I'm like, you're a professional athlete that's paid millions of dollars, and you're tired. That kind of irks me, but I agree with you uh, for the most part that yeah, like you're afforded a clunker here and there. It's just 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 was kind of weird. So we've been listening a little bit to the press conference from yesterday, and and all the members of the Packers beat were basically trying to ask Lafleur if the players went out and got drunk and and maybe went to the gentlemen's club <laughs> and had too good of a time, but none of them were willing to actually ask that. Right? They were kind of beating around the bush. Do you think that's what the Packers did? Like, do you buy into that theory, or do you think it was just the travel or the change in temperature or just a random bad game? I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a theory on it? Well, here's the thing. One other thing that bugs me is there's like eight, 70 to 80% Packer fans there. Yeah. You know, they, the Chargers just fired their offensive coordinator. Like, there was a lot of things that were weird. So, to me, like, and they kept saying they were tired and they couldn't implement a game plan. If you remember a couple of years ago, this was before uh, Lazary and Eden owned the Milwaukee Bucks. But the Bucks went out to L.A. to face the Lakers. And the report came out that they actually stayed out till 2 to 3 in the morning at a strip club and partying and whatnot. So that actually is in the back of my mind. Like, maybe they got caught up in that night scene out in L.A. and they looked over the Chargers. I don't know. I think it could be honest. We do a thing called Conspiracy Theory Friday. I might have to bring that up on Friday on the Joe and Evo show. Yeah, it's an, and I know you guys are big into conspiracy theories. I think it's interesting. <laughs> and, and obviously we'll never know the answer. And, and none of the members of the Packers beat are willing to ask that straight up. Which I guess I understand. I would probably not want to stick my neck out and ask that either. But it's interesting that that uh, idea is getting kicked around. Ebo, our friend from uh, our sister station, Madison, the Joe, uh, the Joe, or the Zone, the show, the Joe and Ebo show on the Zone, joining us for a couple of minutes on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. Uh, Ebo, we've had a couple of weeks uh, now without your Badgers, right? We had the bye week, and I, man, that Ohio State game right after yeah. halftime just felt over. Like it feels like there's been a legitimate. Badger game that I'm locked in to watch, right? That loss to Illinois, the loss to Ohio State. How has your opinion changed about your Badger team after those two losses, right? Let's try to think before Illinois what you thought and then what you think now following the bye week. Did those two losses really change your opinion or do you just think it was a bad two weeks? Man, uh, before the Illinois loss, it was, I'm thinking, you know, possibly looking at the college football playoffs and everything's lining up for, you know, the, the Badgers to go 12 and 0, and maybe, you know, face off again, or 12, 11 and 1, I should say, because I thought they were going to lose to Ohio State. Sure. But that that Illinois game, you know, I came in so confident, and I, I think a lot of people did. I think it was one of those things where the team just overlooked them, and they just got out coached and out. You know, Lovey Smith should send Paul Chris a thank you card for saving his job. Yeah. I, I just I couldn't believe what I was watching unfold, and, and they were a 30, what, 31 point favorite, the Badgers were. So after they lost, I was dejected. I was sad. Like and then thankfully the Packers cheered me up, and then um, that Ohio State loss, I thought in my heart of hearts that they would hang with them, and that we have a competent quarterback now in Jack Cohn. You got the fatal four in the wide receivers. You got Jonathan Taylor who's on the Heisman race, and you got that offensive line. The defense is looking good, and then they just got demolished. Like Ohio State just demolished them in the second half. It was very demoralizing. And, it, you know, I thought, what is Wisconsin football? I think Wisconsin football right now is they're not a Tier 1 team. They're a Tier 2 team. You know, they're equivalent to maybe, like, South Carolina to the Gamecocks. So, like, they're always in there. Sure. They never really win a big game, though. And, you know, there's there's some other programs that we were comparing it to. And I just 
I'm disheartened a little bit, Grant. Can I just say I'm disheartened over it? And uh, you know, maybe we can win the Big Ten West. I'm hoping Big Ten West get the X back from Minnesota, and then what? What's realistic? A, yeah. a Rose Bowl, maybe? Uh, I guess. Outback so. Bowl. I don't know how they stack up. I just, it's just, it's demoralizing. Yeah, it I'm is. I'm kind of sad about it. But I'm glad that we're back in action because, you know, Iowa Hawkeyes coming in for a 3 o'clock game to Camp Randall. I'm excited to get going for the tailgate. And if, if, if you're not busy, man, come on down. I'd love to show you a good time, downtown Madison. Oh, that's... And, we'll go, that's, and I'm just saying, Grant. God, that, that, and here's the thing, Ebo, that's so tempting. I was in Madison last weekend. I stayed over because I was covering a game up in Hartford. We were following the Holman Vikings who met a really good team in level two last week. And I have a bunch of friends. See, I went to Menominee High School, Ebo. That's where Nate's from. Nate was Nate Stanley, the Iowa quarterback, uh, was my sure. classmate of 2016. And I have a bunch of friends going to Madison. And at the beginning of today, I was like, I'm out. I'm not going. Your offer to come down and, and show me a good time, like you said, that is... <laughs> That is very tempting. So, wait, we have Zach Heilpern on the show as well, who is one of your cohorts at The Zone. Does Zach party on game day, or is Zach just professional no, and buttoned up? No. He, yeah, okay. Zach is a big, he's, Zach's a big J. I consider myself <laughs> down here, the Joe and Evo show, we consider ourselves entertainers. Zach is a big J. He's a journalist through and through. So he'll be in that, um, you know, the, the little media box uh, in Camp Randall, and he'll be, you know, crossing his T's, dotting his I's and his lowercase J's, and making sure everything's, you know, above board. Well, I'll be downtown tearing it up, hopefully with you, Grant. Well, you guys are—you guys both fill a very important role at your station, very different roles, but you guys both uh, yeah. both do a very good job. Man, I'm, man, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Give me, hey, give me a couple you, of days. You got my digits. You got my digits. I do. And I'll be down at the red zone, and then you know maybe go to the game or something because you know we'll be down there though. Just let, just let me know. Let your boy know. Man, I'll let you know, Evo. Well, that that might just change my plans. I do have plans to watch the Badger basketball game tonight. They're opening up against St. Mary's, and and I, I, I hate to, to spoil the last segment of my show, but basically before the Badger season starts, I want to spend the last 10 minutes of my show tonight uh, after we say goodbye to you. It, it, I want to talk about if, if we're ever going to see a Badger basketball team like we saw in 2014 and in 2015. The other night I was watching uh, Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, 2015 highlights with a couple of my buddies, and we're sitting there like, is it ever going to be this good again? Like, are we ever going to get back to that? And, and where I, I don't think that's ever going to be the standard, right? Do you think we'll ever see a Badger team that good again? You know, before the before the back-to-back Final Four years, I didn't think so. You know, Bo Ryan was always knocking on the door, and that was his first time being in the Final Four was that first year. Yeah. And then, you know, the repeat, it was huge. But here's the thing that gives me hope on it. So the Badgers won 23 games last year. I think they're going to win 24. I think they can do just squeak in maybe one more. I mean, there are going to be a tournament team. They'll be in the NCAA tournament. So you can sleep easy there, and anything's possible when you get. When you see like, when you see like Sister Jean, and you know like all these crazy teams making a run, the Badgers can do it. Nate Reavers coming into his junior year. So what did Frank Kaminsky do his freshman and sophomore year? Frank Kaminsky. A lot of people are like, why are we wasting a scholarship on this guy? I remember yeah. my dad saying it. Like, Dad, what are you talking about, man? So what did Frank Kaminsky do his junior year? He took that next step. Nate Reavers is already ahead of Kaminsky as freshman and his sophomore year. He's going to take the next step. So you'll see Reavers do it. I think Reavers goes as far, or the Badgers go as far as Reavers go. And I think he's got that shot outside. And I think he's added that meat, he's added that meat on his bones a little more. He's got that Wisconsin diet, that meat and cheese. Oh, know? yeah. So I think he's going to be able to get it down low and bang. Because Ethan Half, I love Ethan Half. Ethan Happ, though, played like – if Ethan Happ played in the 50s or the 60s, Ethan Happ would be leading the Badgers to a championship for four years. 
just because Ethan Hap's got what I call old man game. Now that Ethan Hap's not on the Badgers anymore, which is going to be weird, but it's going to open up that offense a little more, and I think you're going to see a little more shooting, and you're going to see Reavers kind of step back, hit those threes, but also drive in. I'm excited, but to answer your question, I think they're going to get back to the Final Four this year. Uh, can I say yes with an asterisk? Just And then if you call me out on it, I'll say, no, I never said that. If sure. They don't do it. Sure, we can revisit that. We can revisit <laughs> that. I think I think that's a good take. They open at St. Mary's tonight. And I'm confused, Ebo. Uh, they're they're four-and-a-half-point dogs. They're yep. on the road. And I'm just looking at, at ESPN right now. But yet ESPN, their matchup predictor, and that's according to their basketball power index, has Wisconsin as a 71.5% chance to win. I don't know <laughs> if you bet on sports. None of this makes sense to me. Yeah, sports betting is, is fickle. you got to also understand where money is coming in on it. So the public that puts money in also drives the line. So it gets a little confusing. So ESPN is predicting their thing, blah, 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 the four-letter network, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also there's public betting the money on certain teams, which pushes a line one way or another. I think it's beautiful. As a guy that does like to do bets for entertainment purposes only, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was great to get the Badgers up four and a half. I think they're going to win. I would have taken the money line personally. All right, would have, but since they're giving me four, four and a half, I'm all over it. So I just don't get why it's in South Dakota. Has anyone figured yeah. that out yet? Why it's in South Dakota? That's weird. I, I don't know. Yeah, it you, is weird. You don't, I, don't, I don't know. What, they, met, they met in the middle from Wisconsin, California. Like, I don't really get it. And Grant, they're the Gales. Yeah. The Gales. What sounds tougher, a Badger or a Gale? Well, not the Gales. That's certainly true. And I know my UWL <laughs> Eagles were at, at, uh, at the Kohl's Center last Friday, and I would have loved to be there once again had I not been covering high school football. So it's it's good to get a chance uh, to take in some Wisconsin basketball tonight. And Ebo, not only would I love to be in Madison this weekend, and you, as you said, show me a good time, but you could teach me a thing or two about, about sports betting. Uh, so I'll hit you up this week. Yeah, dude, totally. I think Badgers get it done tonight, uh, by the way. I think it's going to be a, you know, a close game, but Badgers yeah. going to get it done. So um, I'm excited. Bucky, I love, I love Badger basketball, so I'm very excited for it. I'm excited that college basketball is back. Ebo, thanks again. I always appreciate it, and I love, uh, I love what you bring to the show. Hope to talk to you soon, man. Hey, a Friday I'm bringing up that possible Packers at strip clubs. That's what happened, okay? I'll credit you. <laughs> I think it's time, man. Hell yes. Thanks, Ebo. Have a good one. That's uh, that's Ebo, co-host of the Joe and Ebo Show on our sister station in Madison, The Zone. Uh, and, man, if I am down in Madison, uh, we just might have to, to do a little little cross-promotion of the two stations, throw some stuff up on uh, on social media. Follow us on Twitter, at WKTY, and, of course, WKTY uh, on Facebook as well. When we come back, I do want to talk Badger basketball, and I, and I kind of... I kind of spoiled it, but do you think we're ever going to see a Badger basketball team as good as we saw a couple of years ago? And if so, how does it happen, right? Where does it come from? What needs to go into this team to get back to that level that they were a few years ago? We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, preview some Badger basketball coming up next here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. That uh, Zach Heilprin, of course, Big J journalist. Not a partier, not a tailgater, but a Big J journalist. Uh, unlike our last guest, who is an entertainer, Ebo, thanks again uh, for joining us. He's on our sister station, The Zone in Madison. And if you don't, you should definitely give him a follow on Twitter, at Ebo Says. That's E-B-O. Plain and simple, just like it sounds. You should follow me at Keystroker Grant while we're plugging Twitter accounts. Uh, I love to interact, love to argue, uh, love to go at it about sports on Twitter, even when I'm not on the air. So I'd love a follow, follow you back. Love to talk sports uh, anytime, more specifically, argue about sports. 
uh, anytime. The other night I was hanging out with some friends. We were arguing about sports, talking about sports, specifically about Badgers basketball. And, and I don't think it's critical to say, I don't think it's unrealistic or mean-spirited to say that Badgers basketball has gone through a little bit of a transition. I, I think we look back at the Bo Ryan era as sort of the good old days as the golden age of Badger basketball. And I don't think Greg Gard is a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. I think Bo Ryan was a really good coach. And I think they had really good players. And the Big Ten, man, we were watching highlights from, I think it was 2013, the year of the the Ben Brust buzzer beater against Michigan, right? There were so many good players in the Big Ten during that time. So many players that went on to be great players, solid players in the NBA, right? That Michigan team had Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., Glenn Robinson, Victor Oladipo was banging down at Indiana, right? Travis Trice was at Michigan State, right? God, it was a golden age of college basketball. Golden age of the Big Ten. And I think we look back just five or six or seven years ago like the golden age, and I don't know if we look at the batters now and we, we have the same reaction, the same response, the same strong feelings that we did years ago, and I don't think that's the fault of Greg Gard or the fault of this current Badgers team. It's just, man, the Big Ten a couple of years ago, it was choice. It was choice. And we were watching highlights from that 2014-2015 year. We were watching some Sam uh, Sam Decker highlights, some Frank Kaminsky highlights, highlights of that, that magical run. The second Final Four, which if I can remember correctly, went Coastal Carolina, right? North Carolina was in there. Who was before North Carolina? Who'd they beat in the second round? And God, now, I'm, of course, I try to do it on air. I'm drawing a blank. Went Coastal Carolina, right? North Carolina was in there. I think Oregon might have been the second game. And then, of course, you had Arizona and Kentucky and Duke. Really fun run and some some stellar individual performances, right? Not only from Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, who are the two that everybody remembers, but Josh Gosser, who might be, albeit not flashy, one of the best Badgers of all time. And you had Zach Showalter, who was a role player on that team. And Duye Dukin, who nobody gives credit to, was a baller on that team. And when Trayvon Jackson went down, Bronson Koenig came out of nowhere. Big shot hitter, Bronson Koenig. No moment was ever too big for him. And then, of course, you had Bo Ryan just pacing the sideline. With intimidation, with that look in his eye. It was a golden age of, of Badger basketball. And honestly, I think a golden age in the Big Ten. There were so many good players in the Big Ten back then. So many good players back then who have now gone to, to have solid careers in the NBA. If not as a superstar like Victor Oladipo, right? But solid role players. And solid role players are the backbone of NBA teams, right? Look at the Golden State Warriors right now. They have the superstars. They don't have the role players. They don't have the depth. A lot of those Big Ten players from that era went on to be just really good depth players, and they're going to have long careers in the NBA because of it. It was pretty surreal. I don't know if I appreciated it at the time. Right, I was born in 1998, so in 2015, that would make me 17. Right? Yeah, 17, 18 years old. You're not supposed to do math on the air either, let alone try to recall uh, Badger opponents from a Final Four run. Would have made me around 17, 18 years old at the time. I don't know if I appreciated it. I don't know because it because really from the time that I became a, a cognizant sports fan to 2015, the Badgers were always good. They were always elite, winning tournament games, having really good runs in the Big Ten tournament and putting good players into the NBA. That's kind of all I knew. And a couple of years later, looking back, I don't know if I appreciated it. Do you think we'll ever see a Badger team that good again? That's the tough question, right? That's the question that nobody wants to ask about the Badgers. Nobody wants to ask that about the Bucs right now either. Will the Bucs ever see a player in my lifetime as good as Giannis? 
I hope so. I do. But looking at history, looking at precedent, the odds would say no. The odds would tell me that the Packers might never, ever have a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers, much less in my lifetime, or as good as Brett Favre, let alone in immediate succession of Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm in denial. I think they're going to draft another amazing quarterback, and they're going to go three in a row just to show the rest of the league that it can be done. Because nobody thinks it will. Nobody thinks it can be done. Well, the Packers aren't going to go to another elite quarterback. Yeah, well, you just watch. I'm in denial about that. But that's the question nobody wants to ask about their sports team when they are elite, right? When the Badgers were elite in 2015, we were focused on the run. Look back at it. Think we'll ever see a Badger basketball team that good again? I don't know. Now, the Badgers, and I compare them to to Holman football, right? Holman football, year in and year out, no matter the players, right? No matter the level of talent, they have a system they believe in. They have an, an incredible coaching staff. And they win MVC titles year in and year out. Or compete for MVC titles year in and year out. And they went on the road and won a playoff game in Watertown this year. Dominated Watertown. Much like the Badgers, they have a system that they believe in. That they think they can plug and play players of different talent, of different type, of different size. And make them work and win games. Now the last couple of years, they haven't deviated from that system. Nothing has changed. But they've gotten a little bit lax. They've gotten sloppy with the ball. A lot of turnovers. Right? They've gotten sloppy from the free throw line, which I think is the difference between, Ebo said the, the Badgers won 23 games last year, 24 games last year. There's a difference of two or three games in there with free throws the last couple of years. That can make a big difference. Big difference in seeding, both in the NCAA tournament, March Madness, right? And in the Big Ten tournament, and in the final regular season standings of the Big Ten. Free throws win games. Free throws are huge. Badgers haven't been good at that. They've turned the ball over a lot. And the way the Badgers play, the way they are coached, the way they are designed at their very core is to play tough defense, to make free throws, and to not turn the ball over and not to foul. And you know what? If you do that, no matter if you have elite NBA talent or just middle-of-the-road talent or even slightly below-average talent, you're going to win a lot of games. Now, if you don't have the talent and you don't hit free throws and you foul and you turn the ball over... That's a recipe for a below-average basketball team, and we've seen that rear its ugly head the last couple of years. Badgers are going to have to take some steps, improve, get recruits, etc., etc., to try to build back up to what they had in 2014, 2015. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I hope so. But man, the odds would say probably not, right? History and precedent would say probably not. Badgers open up their, well, their actual season. They played UWL last week. Open up their season tonight. At 8 o'clock, they play St. Mary's meeting in South Dakota. Eh, kind of weird. Badgers, four and a half point dogs. I think I'd put money on the Badgers. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. Same time, same place. Talk to you then.